Hey, Lulu. Hey. What's a witch's favourite lesson? I have no idea. Spelling! (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. I like that one. One thing I'd like to say to the listeners is Sarah's face when she says the punchline. (laughs) So proud. I really raise my eyebrows for it. You do. (laughs) Quite static. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Highly Strange Podcast. You are here with Sarah and Lewis. Hello. I'm not not really going to give any context. I'm just going to jump in this week. Okay, just jump in both feet forward. Yeah, I think... This is just a story that we're just going to unravel as we go. And you're still hungover, so... Yeah, it's hard times. We'll get through this together. (laughs) We can do this. Right. There are some stories that seem to just stay with us. Tales told to us as small children that we carry around with us into adulthood. Sometimes just a small piece of the story. One detail that connects with your soul. Or sometimes it's that the story feels a little too close to home and you feel it might correspond with events that have happened in your own life. This story is one of those stories. You may, or may have or may not have heard of this story. It's a small folklore type about a family haunting in a quiet part of Ireland. The family that encountered this haunting did create a book, but it is only published in Ireland. So I haven't read the book. I'm looking forward to hearing your Irish accents. I'm not going to do names. any accents. Oh. <laughs> and luckily, I've just basically not included surnames. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is the story of the reawakening. Jackie and Esther Fahi have done one. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Jackie and Esther Fahi had a son and daughter, Michael and Martha. They lived in a housing estate in County Galway, Ireland. Michael was engaged to be married to a girl called Mary, and they were living in their parents' home as they saved for their wedding. It all started with a smell inside the house. The family were plagued by the awful and distinctive stench of rotten flesh and urine. <laughs> That's a bad smell, isn't it? we're not off to a good start here. They searched the house from top to bottom, looking for a source, but this came to no avail. After finding no answers, the family concluded that it had to be a gas or chemical leak. The family contacted the local authority and had the house inspected. No source was found for the smell, leaving both the family and professionals baffled. At the time, nobody suspected anything supernatural, but looking back, it's glaringly obvious that this was when all the trouble started and the foul smell would be just the beginning. After about a month, the stench suddenly disappeared and the family forgot all about it. Michael and Mary were due to go away for a weekend and had been busy painting their bedroom before they left. The night before, they were awoken by a bright light that shone through their bedroom window and illuminated the entire room. This was obviously confusing and neither Michael or Mary understood where the light could have come from. They found no source and it was way too bright to just be headlights from a car. In the end, they just went back to bed and the next morning headed off for their trip. Sorry, I think I remember this story. I think oh, I know this one. Oh, do you? Yeah, I know. That's very rare. Fair play. Yeah. <laughs> Whilst their son was away, Esther decided that it was the perfect time to give his room a deep clean. What is it with mums and doing that? I oh, know. Just keep out of my bedroom, man. <laughs> you should have seen me yesterday. I was giving a, ge- I was giving a deep clean to my bathroom. Oh, what's the occasion? None. <laughs> it's just he hadn't done it for a while. I was on my hands and knees scrubbing like Ooh. a handmaid. <laughs> well, you know, it's got to be done. Ooh. She bustled up with the hoover and became incredibly annoyed as they had left paint peelings over the floor. She moved about, cursing their laziness and hoovering up the peelings of paint. When she realised that what she had begun to hoover up was in fact not paint peelings at all. The floor was covered in eggshells. 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 Mm. Like somebody had just peeled several eggs and scattered the eggshells all over the floor. 
Esther had no idea what was happening or how it was happening, so she just cleaned it. Michael and Mary returned home from their trip. They unpacked their bags, but not long afterwards, Michael burst into the kitchen to speak to his mother. Mum, who's been in my room? There's eggshells everywhere. Thus began a strange eggshell phenomena that would appear in increasing numbers all over the house. The abundance of eggshells coincided with noises that would keep everybody awake at night. Between the hours of 1am and 3am, the family would be awoken by footsteps running through the house. Initially, they put the noises down to old floorboards in an attempt to persuade themselves that the noises were just natural nighttime sounds instead of something sinister. They're trying to pretend nothing sinister is happening while there's eggshells appearing on their floor. Yeah. I just... And how would... I don't know how you'd explain that. And what I guess you're walking eggs? on eggshells. <laughs> what happened to the yolks and the whites? Yeah, nobody knows. It's just the shell. It's the ghost cake being made somewhere. The <laughs> <laughs> Ghost baker. <laughs> that was until whatever was in the house began to take a strong interest in Sarah Louise. Ooh. Martha had a baby girl. She lived in the house alongside the family. The baby was the pride and joy of the whole family and was completely loved and adored by the whole household. The noises would often begin and end in Sarah Louise's bedroom and strange bangs and knocks could be heard from her bedroom in the middle of the night. Nobody could ever find anything worrying to explain the noises or that baby Sarah was in any direct danger. One night, Mary and Michael returned home from the cinema to find Martha hysterically screaming in the street, being comforted by a neighbour. They quickly ran out of the car and grabbed Martha, trying to make sense out of the hysterical screams. She was deathly pale and gripped with terror, screaming about Sarah Louise. The neighbour told Mary and Martha that she had just burst into their house, begging for someone to help her. Martha screamed that somebody had her baby. Mary, without even thinking, just ran full pelt into the house and into Sarah Louise's bedroom. The room felt noticeably ice cold, but Sarah Louise was sleeping peacefully. Mary quickly and gently picked up her sleeping baby and made her way through the house. As she passed the bathroom, the toilet flushed and the door slammed. The house was empty. Mary fled. Earlier that evening, Martha had put Sarah Louise to bed and retired to the sitting room to watch TV. It wasn't long until a thump from the baby's room echoed through the house. Martha jumped up, thinking that somehow Sarah Louise may have fallen from her cot. She ran upstairs to help her. The thumping then became louder and more frantic. Oh, sound effects. Fucking kids. Kids. Hate children. (laughs) Martha jumped up, thinking that Sarah Louise may have fallen from her cot. She ran upstairs to help her. The thumping then became louder and more frantic, as if someone was wrecking the bedroom. And when Martha got to the door, she could not open it. It was as if someone was forcibly keeping her from the baby. Sarah Louise began screaming at this point. So did Martha from her sheer desperation. She fled to her neighbour's house, and that was when Michael and Mary arrived home. The family were now in turmoil and reconvened in the kitchen, at a loss as what to do, and in some ways hoping that the answer might just be a home intruder. Michael decided to phone the police. He sat down next to the telephone and lifted the receiver. The temperature suddenly dropped to an icy coldness. With his breath bellowing out in front of him, Michael became aware of a tapping noise beside him, as if someone or something was sitting on on the kitchen table and was becoming increasingly impatient with his foolishness. The phone was disconnected. They couldn't call anybody. A crash then came from the fireplace. They investigated and found a picture of baby Sarah Louise upside down and smashed to pieces. As they stood in terror and shock, trying to make sense of what the hell was happening to them, a silver picture frame floated from the fireplace and was hurled against the wall, smashing into pieces. The family grabbed what they could and ran from the house. 
How much would you be spending on photo frames if you lived in a haunted house? I mean, you just got to take the glass out at that point, and yeah. If if I was in a haunted house, the first thing I'd do is go around for the photo frames because aliens ghosts seem to love photo frames. Yeah, they do. I think it's their point of like, this. I don't like you. See this picture of you. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> yeah. Michael, looking over his shoulder, watched as the coffee table flipped over and crashed to the ground. That night, the family drove 140 miles to Waterford to stay for the night. The next morning, Jackie rang her neighbour to see if things had calmed down in the night. They hadn't. In fact, what had happened in the hours since the family left had caused such a stir in the street that people had come out of their houses to watch the strange events unfold. Their nights had all been disturbed by lights flashing on and off, furniture smashing around the house, and most disturbingly, the piercing, shrieking cry of a baby. The house was completely empty. The family were all in Waterford and many of the neighbours had watched them flee earlier in the night. The family, of course, had no option but to return to the house. They had jobs and they couldn't just pack up and leave their world behind. They agreed to return but all slept in the same room, fully clothed with bags ready to flee if they needed. All was quiet at first and then Michael received a call from RTE. Now, that is a radio station in Ireland. I can't pronounce it so I'm... I'm yeah, I, I know the, I know what you mean. Yeah. Anyway, so it's Ireland's national television and radio service. Michael retold the whole story on national radio. If nothing else, the family hoped somebody might hear the story and be able to help. The nation was gripped and the radio station was inundated with calls from people sending their sympathies and telling their own horrific stories. That night, Sarah Louise slept peacefully in her cot until around 2.45am when the house was filled with the sound of her frantic screaming. The family went to her room to find that Sarah Louise was sitting up in her bed with her stuffed animals arranged in a perfect circle all around her. The family were frantic but felt that their prayers had been answered when the Bishop of Galway agreed to visit the house and conduct a mass to try to help them. The mass was scheduled on the 6th of May 1997 and was strictly family only. Neighbours gathered to say a rosary before the mass started and the bishop walked through the house blessing each room. The family gathered in the sitting room to commence the Mass and as the bishop prayed, a soft wail began from Sarah Louise's room. This grew into the unmistakable cry of a baby. Sarah Louise was in her mother's arms in the sitting room and there was no one else in the house. I wouldn't want to invite the bishop around. No. Especially when there's a young child involved. <laughs> He's making the jokes now. No. <laughs> <laughs> The bishop grew paler and paler and began to stammer through his prayers. The crying continued the whole way through the mass and the family was just struck, frozen in terror. As the mass ended, Jackie turned to the bishop and said, What are we going to do? What even is this? The bishop inhaled deeply, refusing eye contact and said, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> there is no human explanation for this. And he left. Oh, that's useful. Yeah, he was a really helpful bishop. Cheers, mate. <laughs> the family received no comfort or peace from the Mass. The terror continued and the family will witness the objects being hurled through the air and the incessant wailing of the phantom baby. They called the radio station again and they were again inundated with calls of sympathy, but no solutions. At the wit's end, the family were taken in by assorted neighbours and Jackie and Esther visited the local authority for help. They just simply couldn't live in the house anymore. The local authority refused to help and the mass from the bishop had had no effect. One afternoon, a journalist from the Evening Herald contacted the family and requested to stay overnight in the house. The family obliged 
Aideen was a sceptic and was sure to let the family know she didn't really believe there was anything in the house. But again, for the family, it was a way to get their story out there and maybe find someone that would be able to help them. Aideen arrived with her photographer and was somewhat bemused by the family's practice of sleeping in the same room, but agreed to participate for the purpose of authenticity. At 11pm, footsteps were heard in Sarah Louise's room, followed by thumps and crashes. The family and reporters entered to a familiar sight of a room ransacked. Later in the night, the family moved to the kitchen so that the reporter could write her notes. A crash came from the sitting room and the reporter was the first to enter and visibly recoiled in shock as she looked around at the room completely destroyed. A large porcelain dog had been smashed into pieces. The TV had been moved to the other side of the room and in the middle of the floor was a smashed picture of Jesus and the Virgin Mary. No. That's not good. So Churchill, the dog's gone. Yep. Jesus is dead. There's only, one man Mary. Can, there's only one man that can stop this. Who? Derek Okora. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't help. <laughs> you thought I'd say Zach Bagans. He wouldn't help. And neither of them would help. Aideen <laughs> <laughs> went on to write the article about her night of terror in Ireland's most haunted house. Sarah Louise's toys would continue to be stacked in odd and deliberate ways. In one instance, Michael awoke in the morning to use the toilet and found all of Sarah Louise's bottles stacked on top of each other in the bathtub. They recognised that baby, that baby Sarah Louise was the centre of all these problems and they pinned a holy medal to her chest on the inside of her jumper. What's a holy medal? I'm assuming like a necklace that with just a cross on it or something. Oh, OK. So they pinned a holy medal to her chest on the inside of her jumper but later noticed a perfect burn mark in the shape of the medal and knew that they would have to leave the house for good, for her safety. But someone was watching this story unfold, and it was someone unexpected, and that someone would go on to be the only person that could really help this family. Derek Cora. <laughs> it's not. The family were returning home after yet another disappointing trip from seeing another holy person, who again claimed to be able to help. The family were exhausted and pulled into their drive to see a woman waiting for them. Sandra Redini introduced herself as a psychic medium and said that she could and would help the family if they will let her. The whole family agreed because at this stage they would have taken the help from anyone. She wasn't what the family had imagined a psychic to look like. She was stylish with short bleach blonde hair. She filled the house with warmth and confidence and assured them that baby Sarah Louise was in no danger. She conducted a ceremony with them after which the family reported that the atmosphere and temperature in the house literally became warmer and they felt the presence disappear. The family were in a huge relief. Sandra then sat them down and told them a story. Many years before the building of the house, a farmhouse had stood on this spot. Sandra had a vision of a woman of the cloth, a nun, becoming pregnant and the father of the baby was a bishop. Oh, that's never good news, is it? It's not. The baby had been murdered and buried beneath the floorboards of the house by the bishop and the girl's father in an attempt to avoid any scandal. Sandra asked if the family had made any renovations to the house. They hadn't, but the house next door had a large-scale renovation work completed around the time that Sarah Louise was born. Sandra believed that the renovation work and the new baby in the household had been the perfect storm to create this haunting. She believed that the haunting began with eggshells because they're a symbol of rebirth and new life and that the baby had been playing with Sarah Louise, but also had become jealous of the attention that she received. While Sandra told them this story, there was a knock on the door. On the doorstep was a sheepish young man. He looked up and said, Look, 
I know you don't know me, but I've seen your story and I need to tell you something. I need to tell you that my family owned this land before your house was built. There used to be a farm here and the family in it had a daughter who was a nun. And look, I don't know what happened in that house, but there were rumours and I do know that it was haunted and weird stuff happened at the time. I suppose we thought when the house was knocked down it would just all stop, but it didn't. I'm sorry, I should have come to you sooner. Yeah, of course. That is the end of my story. That's the end of your story. Yeah. It gives me Enfield vibes. Yeah, I I think this really is just um, Ireland's version of Enfield, isn't it, really? Yeah. Missing the Warrens and Lego bricks. Yeah. So was it the story you were thinking of? I don't think it was, actually. Okay, interesting. It was the bit where you said about lights coming through the curtains reminds me of another ghost story I'd read, I'd heard in another podcast. Okay. But I can't remember any more details. Do you know the bit that weirds me out the most is that, like, all her toys were lined up in a circle around her. I'm like, I don't know what it is. Like, obviously the noises are terrifying and the eggshells are like, what is that? But just walking upstairs and finding your little baby just sat up in bed with all her toys. I don't know. It feels like they were doing, like, a sacrifice or, like, a ritual. (laughs) So what sort of house was it? I, I normally imagine, like, it's like a council house, but built on that sort of land. Or was it, like, an old, like, estate kind of house? So it's on a housing estate. Oh, it's on a housing estate. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think just your standard house. But I'm assuming, obviously, where it was farmland, they've just built loads of houses on the farmland. Yeah. Um, They're the ones that, like, creep me out the most when it's just like a normal council estate. Yeah. You know, like, it's like East, 30 East Drive. That was a really famous most haunted Yeah. Episode. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. And you know, that's a very... Typical UK council house, isn't it? Yeah. And so is Enfield, really. It's like a typical UK poltergeist. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good episode of Most Haunted, if you can find it on YouTube. Have you seen that one? I don't think I've seen the episode. It's the one where like they're getting marbles thrown at them and you see marbles like bouncing around. There's oh, okay. Come into the living room, there's a knife in the sofa. Weird. Derek Cora does its usual business. Actually, I don't think Derek Cora's in that one. It might have been post Derek Akura. Okay. You know, when he got shamed. Yep. Yeah. So is, it'll just be a vet, is it? Just a vet yeah, field in, yeah. In a leather trench coat. <laughs> she's better than him anyway, I think. <laughs> Very trendy. She is. I guess she's a bit like the medium in this story, not yeah. what you expect. Was she wearing a leather trench coat? It didn't say. It just said she was stylish. <laughs> um, so I'm going to try and find the um, newspaper articles, if I can, okay. to post. We'll post it on a... Socials. With the story, because it did obviously make like big headlines in um, the Irish media. So yeah, hopefully we can find those. What um, what do you reckon? As in, do you think it was just the baby that was unfortunately murdered? Yeah, I mean, that seems to make the most sense, doesn't it? The only uh, thing that I think is then like, how's a baby picking up a TV and dragging it across yeah. the floor? <laughs> <laughs> like, freakishly strong baby. But it seems more demonic to me than ghostly because when you see the jesus getting smashed that's more demon than normal ghosts yeah so maybe the baby was it was obviously angry well it's been murdered i think it would be quite angry (laughs) (laughs) oh i don't know it's just that creepy story of um you know like the nun getting pregnant and it's classic, isn't it? Yeah. That's like the classic 
an origin story of a ghost. Yeah. Of a ghost haunting, isn't it? We'll cover Borley Rectory because that's along those lines of like nuns doing things they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. I, it's not that I disbelieve it, but that is a classic, mm. like, or film level origin story of a haunting. Yeah, and I reckon why, like, that's why the Irish media went so crazy with this story because obviously, you know, with the history of like Catholics in Ireland, that would have struck a lot of chords. Yeah, yeah, with, that's, that's true. Yeah. yeah, with their history. We got through a Catholic episode and we barely made any jokes. Nonce. <laughs> wait, wait till next week's episode. <laughs> but yeah, so that's my story. Sorry, it's a bit of a short one, but you know. Yes, it has been. I'm looking at the time now. You get what you're given. What am I given? A short story. I'm a short story. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> guy, who should we recommend? Um, recommend it to a woman with short blonde hair. Short bleach blonde hair. Short bleach blonde hair. Specifically. Bonus points if she's wearing a leather trench coat. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah, Recommend it out there. That's that's cool. And if you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, like, share. I've got a thing. We finally can see our reviews on Spotify because there's been enough. Some scumbag <laughs> gave us four stars. <laughs> so it's a 4.9 out instead of five. Bastards. And Who whoever, did that? Whoever you are out there, appreciate the four stars, but if you could change it to a five, <laughs> just for my own sense of wholeness. No, thank you. We do appreciate it. Yeah, we're just five, not four. Yeah, what, no. ma- what, makes, us a, what makes us a four? Probably this rambling at the end. (laughs) They've already stopped listening. Yeah. Send us an email at highlystrangepod at gmail. Address it to Sarah and be like, Sarah, these are the faults with the podcast. And I will read and ignore. Yeah. She'll pass them on to me. I'll tell you what I would really like, though, is listeners' stories. If anyone's got their own ghost story, we'd love to do do an episode with your stories. Not just ghosts, you can do an alien story. I want to hear some big feet stories. (laughs) Not just stories of Bigfoot, stories of people with big feet. That would be great. Anything you like. If you have a leather trench coat, let us know. Fair. What are you doing? Get rid of it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess that's it. Thanks. Hope you enjoyed my you short listening. haunting. It's a short story. We've got a, a longer episode next week. Yes, we do. Quite. Well, like double. Yeah. Double. Have a lovely week. And yes. we will see you next week. Okie dokie. Bye. Bye.